0: Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, Matt Jordan and Tom Ork here, um, well what a fantastic uh, game to come off the back of, uh, first of all how are you guys all doing?
1: No complaints here apart from the cold weather which I appreciate is you can't really go- complain about cold weather when we've got Jordan with us but um, it's, two, <laughs> it's two degrees today which is uh, lower than it has been so unpleasant.
2: You know what actually that's uh, it's, it's one of the rare times, this, this winter's actually been pretty mild and as it happens, it's about two degrees here today, which is very rare. So uh we'll we'll take it. It feels it feels like a summer's day, Sunday the wedding for me. Nice. Have you
0: got the uh, the t-shirt on? You've, you know, you've got the shades as well.
2: Yeah, I got the vest on, shorts on. Yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it.
0: <laughs> lovely, lovely, good stuff. Well, let's um let's bark in some glory, shall we? Because we got to watch a really decent game overall recently. Watford winning two 0 against Blackpool. Um Tom, what's your first thoughts off the back of the win?
1: yeah funny amazing what a difference 45 minutes makes isn't it because at half time i was genuinely nearly falling asleep in my seat it was just mm. staid, yeah. sterile stuff there wasn't much of an atmosphere and maybe it was an effort to conserve energy and warmth uh because i was cold and horrible but uh <laughs> it's i certainly felt myself sort of nodding off slightly a couple of times but by full time i thought yeah, that's probably one of the games I've enjoyed the most this season, um, if only based on the second half, because we turned, you know, turned the dial up and introduction and substitutions made a big difference. Obviously we're going to talk about Toby Adeyemo and his impact, but that is, you know, probably one of the moments of the sea one of the moments of, of recent seasons, I guess, um, given how miserable it's been. Uh so yeah, came away positively bouncing, um, which was yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. A novelty, sadly.
2: Yeah, I mean I think overall it was it is obviously a positive positive result and it was it was something we needed. I think the second half, as Tom said, was a was a real change. The first half was quite slow, we were a little bit labored. Although I was saying that we started the first ten minutes of the game really well and then it started to kind of taper off a little bit and we weren't quite as um as quick winning the ball back. We weren't quite sharp in possession and, and things just kind of slowed. But uh, I think the changes at half time really kind of shifted up, shifted us up a gear, um, and, and took us on a little bit. So it was it was good to see, and obviously the the players involved that got to be involved by the end of it was was really good to see too um you know got a couple of debuts in there as well uh and it, it was a it was a good day
0: yeah it was a great day overall um we obviously got to see Ishmael Kone in the cup and he looked impressive there um did he take it up a notch again uh, against Blackpool
2: i think he was good yeah i think putting him in a in a, in a different environment obviously with more first teamers around him i think he was uh, he was solid his energy was really good even late on into the game uh his range of passing was was better uh he looked very comfortable uh he you know he played a part in one of the goals he was he was just very good i think it was a it was the sort of performance want to see there's a lot more to come from him, i think and uh in in terms of a, a home debut i think that's pretty solid for for a kid that age
0: yeah not bad was it it was also i felt very important to solidify that midfield that uh that we had Hamza Chowdhury back.
2: He was immense, I thought, actually, in that game. He was uh, he was everywhere defensively. I think when you look at Chowdhury, he is, you look at him for his defensive output more than anything. And that was a prime example of what he can offer. You know, he's coming into the box, he's sliding into challenges, and he's turning the ball over, winning it back. He, he, he's a real issue for, for the opposition. And I think that's the exact sort of performance we needed, needed, and it just kind of combined with everything else we had on the pitch. And... You know, it's important we can't we can't discount how how much we miss that that sort of player and, and Chowdhury in particular when he's not there
1: it's funny with Chowdhury isn't it there's been a bit of the usual caveat of taking your opinions or taking your temperature of Watford FC fan base from Twitter or any fan base it feels like there's been a bit of not backlash not that strong but a bit of certainly a bit of grumbling and whatnot about Chowdhury and kind of always oh, he that good I think if you Judge him on what we know he can do, which is what you just outlined there, Jordan, I think he's brilliant. If you judge him on what you know he can't do, then yes, of course, he doesn't stack up as well. We know he's not super on the ball, not a particularly progressive player in that sense. But I think with the guys around him, and, and particularly someone like Kone now, who can do that side of the game a lot better. Aspria uh, again showing he can do it off the bench and hopefully lose her back at some point in the nearish future. Then that becomes less of an issue, anyway, doesn't it? And you get that you get a kind of nice blend of the the three different midfield roles there. So, um, yeah, just wanted to add that, really.
2: Yeah, I don't really get the, the I don't really get the kind of negativity towards Chadwick in a sense. Like he might have you know some below standard games for his own standards, perhaps, but. You know he's, he's, a defensive, he's a defensive player who offers something there, and he's not going to be that progressive ball. But we, we've talked about before; he still plays short with a good tempo, and he doesn't lose the ball a ton. He's not one of those defensive midfielders that's there to tackle and can't do much else. He's, you know, he's very capable on, uh, in possession. He's just not the most expansive. He can still switch the ball on occasion. Um, and if look, as long as you're playing like this uh, in, in a team like this, where you are going to have to have some defensive responsibility through the midfield, then. You could do a lot worse in the championship than than Hamza Chowdhury. I think he's been he's been pretty good for us in the most for the most part.
0: And as we're mentioning the midfield, it's probably you know fair to give a a, a good high five and a, a clap towards Mario Gaspar, who uh, you know has become a kind of solid member of that midfield community.
1: He was really oh, yeah, good again, was wasn't terrible. he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I was staggered. Um, he just looked like he played there his whole life almost. I, don't, I can't remember any glaring kind of cock-ups or moments where he thought, oh, you know, someone whose natural position is central midfield wouldn't have done that. Um, he got through a hell of a lot of defensive work, I thought, in terms of getting the ball back, um, just pausing now. 14 of 16 defensive actions were successful, which is the third most on the day. He was tidy in possession. I guess the one thing is that on a couple of t- occasions there was a little bit of um, I felt a little bit improvised and he maybe got away with it and on another day it would have been improvised and he wouldn't have gotten away with it and that would have been a stick to kind of beat him with but
2: yeah another good performance for me in there. A um, lovely dummy at one point too didn't he around the edge of the box oh, where man. he left the ball and was it maybe going through the Kone and Kone just kind of mis- misjudged the, the pass, of the ball but he was uh, he was actually being a little bit a little bit expressive in the forward areas, which is nice to see from Maro Gaspar. And yeah, it was can't 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 really be too too harsh on him. I think he's done pretty well considering.
0: So what are their jobs in in the midfield then? Jordan is it allowing Kone to be a bit more creative then? If if um if you've got the likes of Chowdhury, that defensive guy that breaks up the play, and and mm. what's what's Gaspar's role and, and and Kone's role looking like in that? sort of
2: three there yeah I think it's kind of somewhat of an improvised kind of midfield they've put together there obviously with with Gaspar playing in but as you said Chargers could be taking up the majority of that defensive responsibility Uh, and then Gaspar really is just a little bit more of a, a passive midfielder just kind of picking up the ball recycling you know not carrying necessarily not kind of playing too far forwards just recycling possession getting it out wide doing what he has to do just to kind of stay in the game and then Kone is there to be that progressor it's not it's not a natural um, kind of balance to that midfield. I think you're asking kind of to carry the ball a little bit more, or try and kind of split defenses and, and play that ball forwards at times too. But um, you know, normally you want to have someone a little bit more well-rounded next to him. I'd I'd say generally, he's not exactly a number ten necessarily. So having someone that can that can help him in the, in those areas would be good. But you know, what we tried to do was rely on the fact that he can get forward with the ball, he can commit defenders, and then you know you've got. You've got the opportunity then for him to you know play short with the strikers if they get into good positions and so on. So it is an interesting mix. I don't think it's something we'd look to stick with long term. Uh, I think when you have other players available that we should offer a little bit more. Uh, but you know, it's it's positive to see him getting involved. And in, in terms of the midfield, he was the the central figure in it when it comes to the attacking phase of that midfield. So it, it was a positive to see him kind of given that responsibility so early on. I guess you could argue there's no one else, someone has to take it because there's not really one else available, but uh, he did a good job doing it, so it was, um, yeah, an interesting, interesting unit we we got to see on Saturday.
0: Yeah, Tom some uh, Etienne Kapu-esque balls from Koné.
1: Yeah, he was he was good in possession. I thought. Um, I think I, I think we probably all read the article. Uh, I forget the chap who did it for the Athletic. Uh, wasn't Adam Leventhal, um, about him from his kind of time at Montreal after the the Reading game where he was obviously impressive and kind of head and shoulders above most players and the key kind of takeaway from that for someone well me being the optimal kind of person here that hadn't watched him before apart from a kind of few fleeting minutes at the world cup here and there in Canada games was that you know he was someone that would carry the ball and progress it that way rather than um with his passing but actually I thought he was quite good in that sense on Saturday and and probably you know did less kind of carrying of the ball than, than one might have expected. Um, he was certainly up there for completed final third passes. And it was noticeable, I thought, he was in a uh, tweeted this at the time, a position I didn't expect to see him kind of occupying in that kind of almost like right half space, I guess, in uh, the first half, particularly less so in the second half, um, which was a lot more advanced than I anticipated him being, I thought he would, you know, be picking the ball up deeper and, and carrying it. Maybe that was a deliberate ploy to, you know, uh, get at Blackpool in a certain way in an area that Bilic thought they were vulnerable, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, he was really effective and I thought it was a really, really assured home debut. And, and had um, Matthias Martins not come on and, and Saar not kind of had a really good game as well, I think you would probably been looking at the classic home debut man of the match um, award. But uh, it was really good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joshua Cloak, the uh, journalist with that piece on The Athletic. Uh, well worth a read about Kone. Um And as we're delving into The Athletic very briefly, uh, there's another good article on there, uh, this time from Adam Leventhal, about Saar. And Saar, um, I think, had a particularly good game uh, against Blackpool. What do, you, what do you make of that one, Jordan?
2: Yeah, he was definitely more more involved, wasn't he? He was, he was much more active in the forward areas. He was carrying the ball a little Livier. Um It, it was it was the better Sar. Um You know, we we used to see in the two versions of him and uh, it can be, a, it's been a little bit longer between that, that, that gap of time. If we get to see the positive version, I think it's it's good. It's good to see him looking like he's enjoying his football somewhat more um, uh, and allowing himself to be a little creative and, and positive rather than just kind of shrinking away from a game, which he does have a, a tendency to do on occasion. I think being on the left does help him. It kind of forces him to be a little bit more active. Um, When we've seen him before playing on that right hand side, and he kind of just, you know, can stroll around in that in that wide area and not really get on the ball, playing up front as he was, and also from the left a little bit more, because I think helped him, helped him be a little bit more central to that attack, and it was it was good to see.
0: It felt like he was at least to me given more of a free role, um, in that too, and and kind of allowed to just go around wherever he wanted, whilst um, Bio kind of stuck more to his kind of positional. Uh, I don't know realities yeah
2: yeah i mean when you've got that that sort of set up when you are playing with wing backs like we started with you you do have less threat in the wide areas so if you have a forward that can play laterally uh, and offer you some something in the wide areas when the ball's on that side of the pitch then you know sar's the guy that can do that he's comfortable on either side and he can he can be effective from either so yeah, if you give him the freedom to to kind of get around and and you know make himself dangerous and a nuisance in those positions, and he, he certainly should do. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of of criticism I've seen on on bio and his his role as a central figure, but uh, Saar was definitely active out wide, and that's that's where you want him. If you're going to play him up front, I think that's the way to use him. If you're going to play him as a striker, that is.
0: Yeah, Tom Bilic has said in the absence of Pedro and um, some of the more <laughs> yeah. leadership. Guy, uh, people like cleverly. He he wanted to start to step up, and and it appears as though at least just based on that one performance, that um, he he was playing for a bit more. I don't know, confidence maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because it's not planned at all. But I was going to jump in and talk about those quotes from Village where he said, you know, Pedro's missing, Keenan Davis, so it's on you. The guys are going to run for you, but it's on you to be the kind of leader in that sense and. You know, it may be a case of kind of retrofitting it now we've we've seen those quotes, but it certainly felt that way from trying to think what the last home game I went to was the Millwall game was the last home game, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, that was probably the kind of the epitome of Saar not looking interested or with it or what have you. And, you know, it's obviously if you're having a bad day, it's hard to put, plaster a smile on your face and and make you look like you're loving every minute of it, as, you know, If as it is for any of us at work. But um, he just, from the word go, he looked more in it, more involved. And like, you know, if that was the case that he'd taken that responsibility on his shoulders and taken it very literally, then he was, he was doing that and he was kind of reveling in it. Um, he just, you know, you wish that it was the case every week, I suppose. That's why he ended up at Watford and not a, you know, top four, top six team. But, Yeah, that's the style we need for the rest of the season if he stays. And that's what that Leventhal piece says, that he will... Or that is the plan, at least, for him to stay. And if he does and he plays like that, then we've got a far better chance of getting out of this division at the first attempt than than not. So, or than we would if he, uh, you know, if he plays in a a withdrawn way where he's kind of playing within himself. Because he has got the ability and, and, you know, that... um, it was a nutmeg wasn't it on halfway right that um I can't, i'm not was it charlie patino he nutmegged on halfway in the build-up yeah. to the second goal um yeah. you know just even attempting that sort of thing could have gone the other way of course could have lost the ball and then they break on us i suppose but um you know let's take it for what it actually was you know lovely bit of skill and you just felt he probably wouldn't have done that a couple of weeks ago when he was at his kind of lowest ebb. but that kind of encapsulated his performance and I don't know if he was man of the match, not for me anyway. I'd have given it to Mateus Martins. I just thought he changed the game and had a whole, a big old role in both the goals. But um, yeah, that was that was exactly what we're looking for, I think, from Saar. a lot more like it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's dip into defence for a bit then and talk about some of those guys. Um, I'll start with Morris because he's someone who's been uh, enjoying a bit of football at the moment in stead of uh, Kamara who of course has been out for several games um, he took his you know his his chance and and he's he's really steadily growing into this position and I, I said a few weeks ago on the pod that I didn't think that he was championship quality and I think I'm still standing by that but he he certainly is seemingly improving every game and I think this was his best one to date
2: yeah I think it probably was I, I, I do agree with you I still think it's a it's a bit of a jump and don't not taken away at all from from what he has done in these last few games because it is you know it does take a monumental effort to 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 play at this level so early in his development or relatively early. I know he's not as young as some of the others, but it's still a big jump. Um, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit because it's not it's not easy at all. And he he was better as the game went on. I thought the second half he he got better and he he just looked more more com- more comfortable in possession. His delivery got better. Uh, he started taking a few more risks in a positive way, and uh, it, it was a good performance. I think he deserves a lot of credit. And there's, yeah, I still think K- K- Hassan Kamara's got his issues, um, obviously, but I, I do think there's at least more of a question being asked now. And I don't know what the, the I don't know what Steven birch's feelings will be on this, but uh, it, it's not as clear cut that Kamara comes straight back into the team as it as it was a couple of games ago.
1: I think it's interesting you say that. That's been a debate on a couple of podcasts. The "Do Not Scratch Your Eyes" Twitter space. I'm sure someone said it on the their their um, their space post. Blackpool, and I think that probably speaks to people's general dissatisfaction and disenchantment with Hassan Kamara this season. He's managed to get himself sent off, suspended for four games on this instance at a time when we could have ill afforded to do um, without, you know, senior players. I still think he should be first choice but as you say there's there's a competition there or something that resembles a competition at least which there hasn't been before um, the age thing you you mentioned again that's been a kind of source of consternation people saying oh you know cutting some slack he's young and other people going well he's not young he's 21 well he is young because he's played barely any first team minutes which is the measure of I think well much truer measure of where he should be. Obviously, you can judge their kind of physical capabilities by age, but at the end of the day, he's 21, but he's got very, very few senior minutes. It's not like he's had a loan, you know, to a national league club or national league south club or whatever. These are his first minutes as a first team player with any regularity, and he's 21. Look at some of the, you know, the 17 year olds that have been involved in the last few weeks. They're probably not far behind him in terms of those minutes and they're you know three, four years younger than him in some cases so I just think that is, that is a factor that should probably kind of hold more carry more weight than, than his actual birth year but um, that's just me but I'm, I'm with both of you I don't think he'll develop into a long term option in the championship or, or any higher but he's doing a job as a stopgap and I think in the circumstances that's as much as you can ask for
0: yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, Yasser Asprey is 19 and he's played a lot more minutes than the Morris. Uh, Jar Pedro yeah. is 21 and he's exactly. played a lot great more example than, yeah. than, than, uh, than James Morris. So, I mean, the, the age doesn't really, as, as you say there, Tom, say anything. It's about how many minutes you have um, under your belt. And the more you get, the better a player you become. It's it's maybe not quite as simple as that but um it really does um add towards the the development
1: and correlation uh, yeah. isn't it not causation but that is relevant i think personally
0: absolutely um sticking in defense then and um someone else who had a, a fantastic game craig cathcart who um has his critics but uh you know he, he usually delivers you know a, a reasonable performance at, at the very least and i think Yesterday was an example of a very a top one from him.
2: Yeah, just a classic reading of the game, controlled Craig Cathcart performance, and then you know, I think no matter what the occasion is, no matter the pressure, he does generally serve up that sort of display. So you know, it's it's sometimes appreciated more in in, in different circumstances, in different games. And I think given how we've been performing recently, Craig Cathcart's been you know it's been essential to to any sort of success we've had on the pitch. It, it comes from his ability to to be controlled in those situations and and just just del- just deliver what he needs to do in that in that moment he's been very good uh he doesn't get beaten very much on the outside which is really positive to see uh you know playing on that left-hand side he's just been very consistent and uh, i'm just pleased to see that he's he's kind of getting the credit he deserves because it's been you know it's, it's not a one-off it's not even a one-off season he's done it for years for us and uh he's been a great servant hasn't he so it's just been really good to see
1: He's exactly the sort of player we should be signing this January, uh, albeit you know on a six-month or eighteen-month contract or six months with a year's option or whatever.
0: A younger version, or as I say,
1: not necessarily as old as him, and not even necessarily a centre half, but just someone who has been around, got the t-shirt, got the scars to prove it, knows the championship inside out. Because if I remember when he signed for us, I was at the Watford Observer at that point, and Frank, who is the deputy editor and had been there for a long time came back from the training ground or a meeting with Scott Duxbury or whatever it was and said, oh, we've signed um," or Watford have signed uh, Craig Cathcart, who was a free agent and I thought, bloody hell, that's an uninspiring signing, you know (laughs) and obviously that season ended in promotion and he played a big part in that and he has ever since and I just think you can't underestimate the value of guys like that who just know what it's all about. As you said there, Jordan, you know, he very rarely gets beaten on the outside if ever. And it's just doing the solid, boring, unsexy seven out of 10 things. Well, every week, Um, you need a few of those players. And I just think at the point that we're at, uh, if, if, you know, if we signed a couple of players like that now, I think we would be kind of better for it. They're never going to win. You know, probably never going to get kind of player of the season recognition or be, you know, the, the, the social media player of choice, but, they have a really important role to play, and he's the absolute epitome of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was he was fantastic. Um, I, I certainly noticed his performance. Um, I can't say that too much about the other two, so I'm going to let you guys uh, talk about Serralta and Truste Kong as well. What I will say, though, is that when you don't notice them, usually that means they've had a decent game. But um, tell, tell me more about what you saw from those guys.
2: I thought Syriata was fine. I think he kind of does. The, I, my expectations of Serialta are quite, you know, linear. I don't think many of us expect too much outside of the classic Syriata performance: head and tackle everything, and tr- just keep possession simple. and And that's a good performance from from for me. Uh, Truth to Kong is a little bit different, isn't Because you, You've always got that that element of, of uncertainty. You know, maybe he brings some some kind of some other elements of his game come through leadership and so on. But he, he's perhaps a weak link at times. Ugh. I was actually
1: surprised that Tristan got hooked at half time. And I mean, obviously in, in the event, it meant a change of system and one of the centre-halves were going to have to be sacrificed and actually on balance, yeah, it probably was him out of the three. But I didn't. I thought he'd had a fairly good game. There was one blip, wasn't there, uh, sort of happened in line with me, sort of to the right-hand side of the penalty area in the first half, as in, in line with where I sit. Um, I can't quite remember what happened but either misjudged the ball or misjudged the weight of a pass back to Backman, something of that kind of nature and and that probably sullied an otherwise perfectly good performance I think the caveat to that is that Blackpool set out with all the ambition of training mannequins um, in the first half and and in in fact until they went 1-0 down they offered absolutely nothing it was like shadow play for Watford at times in terms of just kind of attack the defence. They were just, you know, playing around them uh, because Blackpool weren't going to offer a single thing. It was, you know, they were grinding the game down, wearing the game down, time-wasting from the first half, et cetera, et cetera, and then, and then suddenly kind of got their knickers in a twist when they went 1-0 down and, and, and showed a bit of um, endeavour and, and uh, intent. Uh, in terms of Sierra Alta, uh, yes, good, again... I saw someone say, you know, look at the results since he's come back into the team. I think it was it the Swansea aberration aside, I think he played in that. I can't quite remember. Um, you know, he is overseen a kind of tightening up. He and just you know what to expect from him. He does the basics really, really well. He is that stopper central defender, isn't he? Head stuff, he kicks it, he puts his body on the line. Um you know, as long as you don't expect too much more from him than that, then he's, he's unlikely to let you down. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a funny one with him that he's kind of suffered a little bit since that first season where he came in and did did so well. But maybe now he's going to get a bit more of a run in the team. And I kind of sense that he's a, a billich type of player as well, that, you know, probably sees a little bit of himself in, in Cyril. So the other one we haven't mentioned, and I'll just touch on very quickly before passing over to Jordan, was Ngakia, who I thought had a good mm-hmm. game as well um you know, someone that it's struggled uh, struggled since he came back from injury. Um, but I thought what was really noticeable and, and contributed to our fast start was him getting really high up the pitch as as James Morris had been, uh, but on the other side and and kind of playing the role of a wing back properly in in that sense. Um, you know, which isn't his natural game necessarily. I think he's a far better defender than he is kind of uh, attack it or in the attacking phases of play but he I thought had a really good game and, and probably his best game for us in a long time I don't know what you guys thought but for me I was impressed
0: I was surprised that they made the sub actually although I did want to see Ferreira. Uh so I, I wasn't too unhappy just because he's the new guy I wanted to see what it was like but yeah I felt as though Ngakia had you know a reasonable reasonable game to be honest But but Jordan
2: yeah I think what Tom said was very true the the pressing early on uh, was a was a, was a good aspect of his game I think it just allowed him to uh, to kind of show himself in a more positive light I think defensively he can still be he's a little bit more suspect than I thought he was going to be defensively and it, it's not really quite worked for him but I thought I thought on Saturday he was a lot more um a lot more competent in that area and also as as Tom said the pressing element did elevate him a little bit more I think it's something that we need to see more of from him it just depends on if he's put in a situation where he can do that. Uh, but, you know, I think if you play at a high tempo, I think he's he's much better. Uh, but this was this is the sort of game I think that suited him.
0: Ferreira ultimately did come on at half time. What did you make of him? What was his first uh, forty five minutes like?
2: I thought it was interesting. Um it was it was kind of the feeling you got out of him from watching, you know, any any minutes of his, his previous performances at you know different clubs. But uh it, it was defensively he looked a little bit lost at times There was a couple of moments the ball would come over and he sort of misread the header or just positionally wasn't quite in the right space i think it may be i think maybe the pace took him by surprise a little bit he obviously coming cold off the bench also makes it a little bit more difficult too so I'm not going to be too critical but uh going forwards i thought he the way he carried the ball was very good his speed was was very impressive He's he's got really good acceleration he moves really well um i i, I like the way he 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 breaks I think athletically, he's really good, which is a positive sign. And uh, yeah, he supported that right-hand side really well. And I think combined with Martins going forward, I think those two really changed the complexion of that, of that game. Uh, Ferreira maybe will get less of the recognition for it, but I wouldn't underestimate how much his ability to support and the danger they opposed of how quickly he could support uh, affected Blackpool and, and forced them into difficult situations. So I think it was really good, really good, and really encouraging to see him. You know, as I said, defensively, there's is a couple of things you'd have to, you know, i not going to say work out at this stage because he came on in the second half of the game, but keep an eye on, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, going forwards, he was very, 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 very good, I'd say. My friend
1: Chris, who sits in the lower house and I've sat with a few times this season, texts me. Um... 20 minutes into the second half and just said this new number 13 is not a defender and no. it's hard to argue with that he was <laughs> fun he was fun I think wasn't he all the good stuff as Jordan said about going forward he's gonna have to smarten up a little bit defensively or be played as a wing back I suspect suspect because I just think he's a little bit positionally suspect to play full back in a four but uh, you you have to say that him and Martins, that the energy and kind of
2: dynamism they gave us down that right-hand side, yeah, just changed the game entirely. It depends how you play as well in terms of fullback. It's, you know, he could play in the back four, but you might just have to be a little bit more cognizant of his priorities. And again, there's also an element of your offensive threat working defensively for you as well. If you're looking to dominate the ball and get forwards, we we haven't been happy when we've had the more defensive fullbacks available to us. So, no, it's not, it's not necessarily the worst thing to try a more offensive version of that and, and see what happens. But if I was to teach one, if I was to coach one, or if you think one is more adaptable than the other, I'd say, you know, in the defensive side of his game is more likely to come than, than trying to get Ngakia to be an offensive threat. So I'm willing to take that risk. But it, it's positive. And I think we have to try and look for different solutions. And if we are going to try and dominate the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more on the front foot, then having a fullback who can contribute, uh, in, in those areas is, is could be vital um, especially if we're we're not kind of we're not so much balanced right now i think our left side is obviously a difficult situation still that might be an area we look to reinforce as well uh, but uh, you know when when the fact, when we were talking about signing a right back or when a right back was being discussed a lot of people i think questioned that but uh, i think it's an important element we've added to the to the team now and i'm hoping that ferreira is someone that can can contribute more for the rest of the season hopefully get some starts
0: well, it's interesting you say that there, Jordan, because um, someone who's questioned the appointment of jafarera uh, Ferrera is uh, Slavin Bilic himself. In uh, Earlier on the week, he said um, that he, he didn't need him, which I thought was, was quite interesting. Tom, what did you think when you heard those comments?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Was it, I don't think it was necessary about Ferreira. I've been a bit kind of flippant about this, but, you know, as much as we don't need a right back, um I think in the long run, we need a right back because Gaspar's a better midfielder and we've all got kind of reservations about Ngakia, but there are more pressing issues. Um, and so kind of rushing to sort out a right back was a little bit of a strange one. Um, but look, we it's certainly something for the um, kind of mid to long term. So maybe we've we've solved that. Hopefully we've solved that. Um But I thought the comments overall were interesting. It was very pointed, wasn't it? The stuff uh, pre-match and post-match as well. That um, you know we need these players on top of, or we need these positions filled rather on top of these players that we've signed. These players we've signed alone are not going to be enough, and that needs to be asap. Basically said in in kind of more words. So. That's what I like about Billich. She doesn't muck, must muck around, and it puts the pressure on the people that make those decisions and do that business to just get it done. Because if they don't, then everyone will know that they haven't uh, delivered what the manager or what the head coach wanted and said he needed. Um, and that you know, puts the uh, puts the responsibility and, and any kind of pressure straight on them, and and alleviates
2: Billich in that respect. What I will say on 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 that as well, I think it's worth kind of mentioning and also just considering the fact that we have brought in a team to restructure this squad and you know we have to act when we can and when things when situations arise in, in the transfer market you have to act quickly and if ferreira is a player that the Manga and his team have identified and his availability is there then you know they might have to act now and, and act quickly even if it's not the most vital position you know it doesn't work it, it doesn't, it's not that simple unfortunately we have to be able to be opportunistic and There'll be other players that can come in, and maybe there's more positions of need that will get filled. Perhaps it's not in the order we want them to be uh, throughout this window. But uh, I think we have to be prepared for some some comings and goings that we maybe won't expect as much of um, over the next couple of windows now. And it's a positive feeling, a positive move in that regard because we are being active and trying to address situations not just for the short term, as you often win in January, but we're also looking at long term options. And you know, hopefully for rare as that. Uh, but we're at least trying to find solutions, and that 's what I wanna see from from a group that's looking to to build this team kind of for the future. You look at how the team ended and I know the situation is is what it is with injuries, and so on there's academy players that may not be normally playing, but it's a very young looking team that finished that game, and I think if we can continue down that road and also add some some experience but also some, you know, some more quality to that team. It does leave us in a in a good position. So whilst Bilic maybe didn't want if it was directed at Ferreira, maybe that wasn't the position he wanted now as as urgently as he wants, say, a winger or a midfielder, but uh that that's still got time to come. And I think we have to kind of just just wait and see how this window pans out before we uh have too much of a, a feeling on it overall.
0: Right, we've almost discussed all of the first eleven. There's one guy left to uh talk about um with the exception of Backman, who I think also had a good game. But uh, I don't know if there's much to say about him, really. He was he was just, he was solid and he, he did his job well. But I wanted to talk about Vacan Bayer, who maybe didn't have the best of games and certainly has come in for a lot of criticism post-Blackpool. Um, guys, is it warranted, first of all? and And secondly, what did you make of the performance specifically against Blackpool?
1: I think Jordan and I are probably going to broadly agree here, aren't we?
2: I don't know. I, I got I got quite a lot of shit. well, I say quite a lot. I got some shit on Twitter for suggesting that I thought that I thought by had an okay had a decent game, quietly yeah. good game. Now I thought he
1: had a good game as well.
2: Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see Vacuum Bio on the ball deep, carrying, uh, dribbling with the ball. I I don't that's not what I wanna see. And I don't necessarily I, I think it's quite clear that's not the player he is. So I have I maybe just set my expectations a little bit differently. I don't see that as a, a massive slight against him because he is someone you want in the box. And I think what he does do well, he was creating space very well. So even when he wasn't himself on the ball in possession, he was still active. And I, I do, in, I, I respect a forward who's always moving and back in by is always moving. And it is difficult for defenders to track. He can get into the box. He can be dangerous, but he's a goal scorer. That's, that's what he does. You either get him in behind chasing onto a ball or... You find him in the box on the move, and we maybe didn't really play to the best of his game. I would say, um, in, in possession and build up, he can be clumsy, he can be awkward. Um, and, and I think we saw a little bit of that on Saturday, which is kind of what gave a lot of that negative opinion. But if you went back and watched the game, I'm not saying you have to, obviously, but I'm, I would encourage you to look at Bayo's performance again, perhaps. Uh, just to see some of the things he maybe did that perhaps went a little bit under the radar. If you kind of look at some phases of play and look at bio and how his his movement led or impacted that 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 pattern of play, it might it might change your opinion a little bit, or at least help understand why um, I at least thought he had a decent game.
1: Let's face it, he's not dropping deep and doing that stuff for the fun of it, is he? You know, we all in life face into what we're good at. Uh, over you know, deliberately putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone and doing things that we know we're not as good at. So he's doing that role for the team, presumably, because he's been asked to do it by Bilic or told to do it by Bilic in the absence of Keenan Davis, who we know is excellent at that side of the game. And Raymond I, who I think on paper is meant to do that side of the game, but I don't know if he even achieves that. Um, But I, I thought he was far worse against Norwich, got the goal that proved yeah. to be the winner and therefore becomes the hero. I don't think anyone was saying, oh, he was brilliant against Norwich. But obviously, you know, on paper, that is that is what gets kind of remembered as the goal. But everything prior to that was bouncing off him. Whereas on Saturday, it pinged off him a couple of times or the pass was misplaced. But I thought that side of the game, which he is, you know, infamously not as comfortable with, was a lot, lot better. And And maybe it's judging it from a, a very low base and therefore expectations are so low he can only um, impress but I just thought that side of it was better I, and I tweeted it and then straight after that the next one he <laughs> is played into him he just laid it off to a blackpool player under minimal <laughs> pressure <laughs> just crying out loud um, but no I, di- I didn't think he was terrible by any means I think and this was a really good debate I had on On the Watford uh, Buzz podcast Twitter uh, in the week, at Watford Pod, if you're not following us, um, about the kind of success of the signings so far. And I put him down as a flop. And a few people came back and said, well, is he a flop or is it that he's more expensive than we think we perceive him to be worth? And that money was. Uh, you know, spent through Bayat, who we're against, understandably. And, I, you know, I don't know if it kind of moves the dial on the success of him, but if you separate the player from those factors, maybe, does that change people's perspective a little bit? I think ultimately every player is judged on what they cost as well. You know, that might not be fair. They don't dictate it, but it's just an unavoidable truth. Look at Andre Gray. If he'd have been a free transfer, people might still have said he was a waste of money. But 18.5 um, million exacerbated that, didn't it? Nathan Ellington, the same. Mm. Um, Bio at, at 5 million. It, the mind boggles as to how we reached that figure. Um, but yeah, I didn't think he was terrible by any means. I thought, you know, wouldn't well be, but he was a lot better than he has been for me.
2: Yeah, just one, just one final thing. I think ultimately what it comes down for me is I think he's a below average player outside of the box and above average in the box if you can find him. And I think that's that's kind of where his his way should be rated. And I think that one of the issues is we don't really maybe find him in those positions as often.
0: There was a a, a reaction from the stand which was um, a, a boo when he took his time to get off the pitch, which I think annoyed a few fans.
2: That won't help. The boos and he went off. I... I just don't. I don't love that at all, really. I think it's it's unfortunate, and I don't think his performance by any means warranted boos. And I know that an element of the booing was down to the fact that he was taking his time to get off the pitch, which you know, fine. Um, there was some, maybe some kind of built-up anger amongst the fan base due to the refereeing performance, which perhaps kind of added to tension, and then the frustration kind of overboiled into the outlet of emotion on the player. I don't know, but it's not. It's not great. It's not what you want to see, and. That ultimately, he's a player that's trying to contribute, and he doesn't really deserve to be booed, in my opinion.
1: I don't think I've ever seen that at Vicarage Road before, where we've booed. I didn't boo. But... Our
0: own, our own player coming off the pitch. It's, uh... you, you... it wasn't nice to see, was it? No, we've seen there's... much
1: worse performances than that. I mean, yeah, there've been plenty of times where there's been great. kind of ironic jeers, or oh, thank God for that, is the kind of prevailing sentiment that someone's coming off, but we we're not even losing. Yeah, that's it. I don't think it was. That's it. I don't know if it was that desperate that he had to sprint off either. I just think, yeah, you would, you know, if it was most players, they would be like, all right, yeah, I'll jog off at least. But I don't, oh, I don't think what he did was that bad. Once the booing started, I would have probably reacted the same way if I'm completely honest and just carried on with my trajectory uh, or, or speed of movement um, to stick two fingers up at everybody. But yeah, it just, oh, it just capped everything for him I think and uh, we're at a tipping point almost already aren't we? Where does he kind of come back from it? his kind of confidence is fragile. I think Billich said something about, you know, where's that effect previously needed he needed the Norwich goal or something like that. And you just think, well it's not gonna help, is it? So um depending on how long Keenan Davis is out for, you know, he might be the remaining he might be the option, I guess, unless Toby had the MO. That's
0: yes. it. There's Let's a segue. Go. Let's what, what a fantastic what a fantastic segue <laughs> that was, Tom. Yes. Uh, Toby Adeyemo, um, the young seventeen year old from the bench introduced uh, on Graham Taylor Day as well and uh, scored uh, on the seventy second minute, the the, the the time when, as all Watford fans will know, we, we applaud uh, on Graham Taylor Day because of that uh, age that uh, Graham Taylor reached. Uh, and uh, it just felt perfect, didn't it? It was, it was, it was a beautiful moment, and 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 the reaction from from Toby as well was was just, it was lovely to watch. One of probably the standout moments of this season for me.
2: Yeah, I think it was um, it was a perfect moment, really all round, wasn't it? I think the celebration just kind of emphasised that. The holding his head in his hands, just can't comprehend what just happened. It was. It's been a long time since so we've got to see that sort of moment at Vicarage Road. So it was it was great. And, you know, the occasion around it as well, obviously all played a part. Uh, it couldn't get much better for the player. And I think as a spectator as well, it's, you know, top tier entertainment, isn't
1: it? It was unbelievable. Uh, it just the, the fact that we've uh, ended up in this position is, you know, necessity of the injury situation being what it is, that Davis and Manai are both injured. But so anything above just getting on the field and and almost not being a nuisance, it feels like a bonus. So to do what he did at that point, you know, and I think it was a whether it was intended this way by Bilic or not, it ends up being a statement that you take off a striker that cost five million and put on a 17 year old. Because at that point, you're saying, I think that player is giving us a better chance of winning this match than than you are as the senior Mm -hmm. pro, which... Mm. Is, is fine. That's his prerogative. You know, I don't. I uh, I don't. I don't have any issue with that. So you know, to do what he did, and and really, it's probably a ch- chance that Bayo would have put away himself had he been there. But you know, yeah. could have, would have, should have. Yeah. Uh, but it's a really good finish as well. I think that's almost been lost in it all. That to to turn and on what I presume is his weaker foot, get enough of a contact um and so on to to just you know slam it in the net like that was a really you know convincing finish in the circumstances and i don't think it's a as easy as it might appear on on first glance so yeah fantastic and then you've got obviously the poignancy of of graham taylor and whatnot someone who you know more than anyone else in our history gave the youth a chance and, and lent on the homegrown players and the academy players and whatnot um at a time when we've been so starved of minutes for academy players, let alone meaningful first team contributions, it was just, mm. you know, it was written kind of in the stars, wasn't it? It was, it was unbelievable. And the the litmus test now is, are these players the likes of uh, Adeyemo, Jack Greaves, who came on, uh, Ryan Andrews, who was obviously very impressive at Reading, I'll bunch James Morrison with this lot, but James Morris as well. You know, are they going to be afforded the opportunity now to be options between now and the end of the season? Are they going to get a proper kind of go at it and, and be treated as kind of, not necessarily first teamers, but members of that, that group at least? Or is it really just, um, you know, out of necessity? Uh, do that And then do they pave the way for others to contribute in the long run as well? Um,
0: if they're good enough, they're old enough.
1: Well, absolutely. To. Exactly wasn't wrong was he so yeah fantastic stuff, I think obviously. also
2: I think when it comes to youth players an important element which we've we've got on occasion we've had young players come through like Pedro and Richarlison obviously granted not from our academy but players that have been able to contribute from a young age I think they bring a level of they bring a level of emphasis and, and positivity uh, and that kind of youthful exuberance that you want from, from the team at times especially when you're going through difficult phases and you know, being a professional footballer, as you, as you go along your career, you become a little bit more jaded and you become, you know, a little bit more numb to the occasions. But you look at the way that Toby Adeyemi came on there. it Everything, every touch meant so much to him. There's so much enthusiasm and it, it's, it's somewhat contagious. The, the the feeling around the ground changes, the feeling of the players and the pitch around him changes. It raises the level of those around you. And that's, you know, it's an element of football, an element of sport as a team game. It, it's getting performances out of the team. That's part of the, Part of the beauty and part of the, the the skill of being a manager is learning how to work with people and 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 getting something out of them as a collective. And I think in having that sprinkling of youth in there, it, it does raise things and it adds a different element which we needed. We 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 haven't had that feeling for a while, uh, and and it was the, the perfect time for it. So it's 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 great that it worked out the way it did. You know, he got the goal and it it really just capped it off the the performance we wanted to see from him. It was a dream start and I hope he can continue. But what I think it says kind of, you know, in a broader picture is we have to kind of have some element of that in our team. And I think you need to be able to call upon it at times. And maybe we, maybe we're having to call upon it a little bit too much right now because of our injuries, but it it does kind of bring back into, into the picture that, that, that element, which has been somewhat gone for quite a while.
0: Tom, I think Billet said something on the lines of these guys, he found out they were local and when when he knew that he said he knew that would give them an extra. I'm not sure what percentage number he used, but he said he would, would give them something extra that um, that that you know he wanted to see from from those guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, and Billage obviously a strongly associated with West Ham, a club that you know self starred academy of football has a great record of bringing through these young players from the local area throughout their history. So he's probably hyper aware of that, and and equally, you know, they're kind of um identity of, you know, that Croatian team and, you know, it's a small country. They all kind of a lot of them know each other, have come through academy football together and whatnot. You know, I'm sure he is particularly tuned into the importance of that. And I think, you know, in the way that we have as a fan base collectively gotten on the back of Bio because of, you know, his kind of backstory, how he got here. Um, I think it goes the opposite way with the homegrown players, doesn't it? That you give them that extra bit of Leniency and you cheer them more, and you, you know, you kind of are more forgiving and and so on, and and yeah, it's it's great, and I hope that I hope that he gets more opportunities. There's no reason why he won't because you know he's the next kind of cab off the rank in terms of strikers after Bio, isn't he at the moment? So it's um you know it's, it's the opportunity is there. He's just got to grab it with both hands, and he's made a damn good start in that um so far.
0: Yeah, um, I wanted to also talk about uh another player that came on and made a debut uh, there's a number of them to talk about today uh, and that would be Mateus Martins he came on at half time alongside Jao Ferreira um and for me changed the game quite considerably Watford weren't doing that well up until the the half time point were they I mean, not worse than blackpool but just not really making um not really making the game their own but um Martins seemed to sort of like at that injection of pace and and just i don't know gave us something that we didn't have before
2: just direct isn't he he's, he's direct he's he's confident um uh you're just taking players on and just being aggressive and, uh, and showing that level of uh just that level of energy we needed to raise the game the tempo has dropped a little bit we, it was a good change at half time and i think we talked about you know the right hand side in general with with the two changes it, it raised the temper of the whole team and it, it was much needed and you know, he has the ability to actually kind of back it up with some with some technique as well. And obviously he played a part in the goal and the penalty and so on. And it was it it, it was very important that he was that he came on when he did. Uh and in terms of debuts, it's, there's so many debuts it feels like in this game and he was he was one that again took it really well.
1: Yeah, he was he was at the centre of everything good, wasn't he? It was he fearless just ready to run at people from the the word go was unlucky not to score in the the chance that obviously led to adiemo's goal won the penalty with another dangerous run inviting um inviting their goalkeeper to come and take him out um chris maxwell and and just you know looked like he'd kind of been playing in English football in the rough and tumble of the championship his whole life and not just kind of flown over here and had a few weeks training with the team. Um, i think he have got the potential to be someone that could really lift this team you know if you assume everyone's back fit a front kind of line of him Keenan davis uh Ismail Assar, João Pedro if you was if you were to play like a, a four two three one and have those three behind Keenan davis i mean wow what a what a forward four the front four that would that would be um he's yeah, he's just got that kind of X factor, I think, hasn't he, for this level. So Yeah. It's a shame he's only on loan until the end of the season. But I guess if we were to go up then, then maybe something would happen there, um cynically. So yeah, great start and uh, something to build on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Also credit to Bilitch for actually making that change of formation at half time as well and putting yeah, the players time. on to, to affect the game. I had a question asking about that and I think it's it's relatively self explanatory. We kinda of covered it just by talking about the game, but yeah, you know, that that change was, was big and it as we said already, the, the temper wasn't great and it was it was clear we needed something different and yeah, to have the awareness and the also just the the to proact- being proactive enough to make the change when he did. Yeah, credit to Slavin as well. I think there's we we don't normally cover the games at this where we talk about each individual player, but I think there was there's a lot of stories within the game, within each individual mm. performance in, in this one, uh, that made it kind of worthwhile doing. Not that we planned to necessarily, but it's everyone had a part of it and uh it's interesting to kind of dissect who, who did what because there were Lots of different factors in this one that led to this 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 kind of somewhat feels like a special victory.
0: Yeah, um, made secure with the second goal. That was obviously a penalty. Um, probably one of the only things that Gavin Ward, uh, the referee, did right <laughs> on the day.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable! It was just Terrible. an all-time Hall of Fame bad performance, wasn't it? He just didn't seem to ever get any kind of grip on the game, really, from the word go. Um, Seem to be you always feel like your team get the worst of it, but my word, Blackpool seemed to be able to do what the hell they wanted. Wrestling, pushing, pulling, bad tackles, taught their way out of bookings. We breathed on a the player; they went down, free kick, and he was far more willing to book us than them. It was, yeah, it was a bafflingly
2: bad display of refereeing. Good old championship. He was bad referees. for Blackpool as well. There's a few, but there's a few they had where SAR went down and they got a free, we got a free kick, which was you know not a free. It's just, it just honestly, overall shocking. Hard to say too much. Terrible performance, for free.
0: And unfortunately, that comes on the back of several poor performances we've seen in the championship. Um, and I don't remember raving too much about standards in the Premier League, but it was better than this.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's been bad. Very very poor. Very poor.
0: Right, okay. Um, there was uh another debut. Uh, we didn't get to see too much of him, but I think uh, it's worth mentioning because it was probably uh, a a reward for um his very good performance in the youth cup. Um, and, and also he's got a a story this lad as well, which has probably been told several times by different outlets. So we won't go into it too much. But um, Greaves came on to the pitch. Who of course has got many uh legacies in his in his past with. Uh, Watford uh, running right for it. I think it was his uncle that played for Watford and then also his granddad and his great granddad. Is that right? Or was it his great great granddad? I think what it was uh,
2: great granddad. Great granddad uh, uh, yeah, Skilly sure.
0: Williams.
1: Skilly Williams right? certainly wasn't it. And was it Dominic Greaves who played for um, is that right? Dominic Greaves? I'm just struggling to remember now.
0: It was a Greaves yeah. who was his uncle. Was well, still is his uncle. I presume. Um, but yes, he is he is the fourth um line of of Watford players in that family. Um and probably, you know, well not probably deservingly getting his opportunity on the pitch, uh, if not for anything more than the recognition of that amazing goal he scored uh in the youth cup. Um but uh, more than that, I think, because he, he, he could have something to play this season, but possibly coming on. Uh, for for small moments and, and with an injury hit squad like we have it's uh, it's it's good that we have him.
1: Kind of interesting they brought him on so late, I thought, um, you know, in terms of kind of seeing the game out at that point. He's not the typical kind of player that you would send on um, you know, to do that job. And I guess obviously that speaks for the fact that the bench was full of youngsters. I mean, it was the 90th minute, but even so, you know, I think it was nice from Billich to give him that moment and show that trust in him to come on and, and just make sure that the game was, um, was, was, was won. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the opportunities there were not exactly chock full of midfield, fit and available midfielders at the moment, are we? So he's got an opportunity to cement himself as a, an option within the squad for the remainder of the season.
0: There's a great photo that um, Lou Orns uh, put out. I say photo; it's more like a graphic, but it visually shows that uh, Watford at one point had was it five players under the age of twenty on the pitch.
2: Mm, that's, yeah, I think I think that's correct. Uh, it, as we kind of touched on earlier, it's such a we've been a you know we've been on the higher end of the the age kind of average age for for squads in the league for a while. So yeah, to be at such and know injuries play a part, but it's good to see the, the the kind of the youth coming through and just how how different that team looks. From an age profile, you know it's night and day, isn't it? I should just say he's a striker, not a midfielder. What am I talking about?
0: <laughs> and I think it was also twenty-one, not twenty. But anyway, it's still a very uh, young age, considering. So it's nice to see that youth uh, getting the opportunity in uh, in a yellow shirt. And uh, yeah, overall, I'm still buzzing from the game. It was it was fantastic, and and you know, hopefully, moving forward, we can we can see more performances, more second half performances like that. uh shall we move into transfers then um now one of the things that was quite interesting that bilic said uh off the back of these signings was that he wants more Um, and when asked about this he he held up uh three fingers and said he wanted a midfielder a striker and a winger um so encouraging signs that uh that he wants his players although he may not necessarily get all of them but um it shows that he sees that there are a few areas that need to be improved and I, I, I suppose if he's bold enough to say that he, he wants them, that he, he must have at least an inkling that the club is prepared to back him on that, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think it's probably an area that he's addressed pretty bluntly and something that needs to be kind of addressed as yeah. soon as possible so uh, I think he probably feels that it's going to happen, it's just a case of when um, I mean they, they are areas which you've identified. I think everyone's identified as as positions that need improving and need depth. So the sooner the better. And you would hope the ownership is also very aware of this too. So fingers crossed we get something soon. I think the one that
1: surprises me is that Winger is still something that he's keen on, you know, having just said, oh, we can have, uh, we could, you know, have the the players that we've got uh, there, Saar, Martins, Pedro, Esprit could play there I'm sure, Ken Semmer is to come back, Samuel Kalou is to come back, it feels like, you know, that kind of wingers, number 10s, whatever you know, kind of we got got quite a few of those now once everybody's fit but I, I guess the, the counterpoint to that is that in his kind of most successful side, those sort of players have always thrived, haven't they? Think about West Ham when they were good under him his um, West Brom side as well, you know, they, they play a kind of important role in his team, so that was one a question, but yeah, you no, know, certainly we need to do something up front, and we need to do something in midfield still, even with Kone coming in. Um, you know, cleverly Gosling, they aren't the long term answer, nor is Leandro Bakuna. Um, so yeah, we need we need something in those areas, and and hopefully, um, we, will, we will see that because I think I think they probably do appreciate and understand that Billich is a fairly serious bloke, and you know, if you want to keep him happy and keep him here then you do what he says.
0: Interesting bit of fairly breaking news uh, is that uh, Watford appear to have loaned out, um, well, a winger slash wingback in Joseph Hungbo, who has today uh, joined Huddersfield Town on loan. Um, I mean, surely he could have been the winger that that Billich wanted. So does that say quite a bit about his opinion of Joseph Hungbo?
2: Yeah, he's had him available. Um, he's had him available when there's been injuries and he's not been called upon. So, yeah, I think it says everything you kind of need to know about uh, Birch's opinion of, of Joe Hungbo. And I, I think it's a good move for him. Uh, getting him playing football is obviously important. It's a good standard too. Playing the championship consistently will be ideal. So I'm glad to see him at least placed there. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good move all around. He, there's no point in him sitting here rotting on the bench, if that. So the, the more football we can get to him, uh, I'd say the better. If he's also one that, yeah, he's a younger player, but he's not actually that young. He's at a critical point of his career where, you know, let's get him playing as competitive as he can and see what see what he can do. And then if if possible, if if it works out, then he can return to us.
0: He had a great time out on loan last season. What what do you think has been the reason he's been overlooked this year?
2: I think just standard, just the the standard of the league, and the I think also it's difficult for him, you know, to when when he first kind of came back and Rob Edwards was was in charge, obviously there wasn't really a positional fit for him necessarily. Um, It was an area which had to be uh, addressed in a different way and he didn't really kind of find his spot. So it's been a tough season for him in that, in that sense. And we've had changes in in, in coach, I know, and since just come in, it's not really worked for him either, but it's been a very stop and start season. He's not had consistent minutes. He's not probably at the point he wants to be at to, to show his best football. So there, there are players that are above him in the pecking order. Then, you know, get out and play, and that's that's the best case scenario, I think.
0: Reminiscent of the Dominguez quina saga, maybe.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a difference in. I mean, I, I guess it is similar, yes, but I think Quiña had so many opportunities uh, that just didn't, he didn't really kind of captivate any head coach in the end, and I think that's something that Hungbo can still do. I, I would say there's still a chance that Hungbo comes back and, and does offer something for a head coach in the future. It's just right now, it's it's not the kind of right time. It's just I think it's just poor timing on anything, actually.
0: Coming in the other way, Watford have been linked with uh, Facundo Pelestri, the Man United winger, uh, this one coming from The Athletic. What do you make of that one? Do you think there's much in it?
2: The last I read was that it... The, the player himself was the one that's not as convinced on the move. So it sounds like there is some genuine interest from both sides to get a deal done, but it, it, I'm not entirely sure whether it's one that happens, but it, it's at least an indication the club are looking at that position for a player. So I think the loan market is something that's quite likely there, uh, especially with the fact we do, have, we do have quite a few wingers under contract and players we might be stuck with in, for the more kind of, in the longer term. So signing short term would be quite suitable. It, it sounds like a deal which is is potentially on the cards.
1: What do you think, Tom? Yeah, funny one, isn't it? It's just kind of been there for a little while now, um, bought with a lot of hype and so on. And has I, you know, I can't pretend I've ever seen him play. Um, I do just sort of feel like if he's not fully bought in to playing for us, then he probably isn't the, the right option. But at the same time, he's being linked with Valencia, isn't he? And you just think, well, if he could be linked with a La Liga side, you know, and a big one at that, then. <laughs> presumably he's got something to offer, so yeah, I don't know, it's just you know, we've seen players in the past that have come on loan and obviously not been fully bought into it and not gotten the most out of it, so I would I'd rather potentially wait it out and get somebody, particularly as he's a winger, um, and we've just discussed that we've got a few, wait for for somebody that's, you know, a better fit, perhaps.
0: So as of now, uh, Facundo Polistri is the only um, link that we've had, which uh, I mean you know I, I suppose you expect a few more in in this kind of period but maybe that will start ramping up as we as we head towards the close of of the window there's still what you know almost half of January to go isn't there so I suppose there's a few more options floating around um but yeah if if Bilic wants the number of signings that he has mentioned then um a few more additions to be made
2: yeah a few more additions to be made and I guess also he you- you know, talking about players coming in in terms of players going out there was there was an article as well during the week saying that it, it seems on the face of it that Watford are quite determined not to let Sar go in this window which I think is quite interesting but um, yeah I think the next couple of weeks obviously are going to be telling that's, that's how we're going to find out what happens but for a team that's notoriously bad in January we're hoping this could be a, an opportunity to kind of change that around a little bit and actually give us the biggest boost possible to push us towards uh, those playoff positions and, and retain it
0: yeah, I suppose the only other thing I've heard, I mean, I say I've heard, I've heard nothing, I've heard nothing, but <laughs> the only other thing that has been reported by a few people uh, saying it's a possibility is Emmanuel Dennis coming back towards Watford on loan, based only on the fact that Watford is the only club that he could come to in in England, basically, so I suppose it's it's not difficult for journalists to say, oh, well, that's a possibility, however, do you think it really is a possibility? No. Well, again,
2: I think that we've seen some decent sources saying it was a conversation that had taken place. It was an option that would, had been explored. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if it does happen. It's one that happens quite late. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a last-minute solution. If if Forrest couldn't find a better, you know, better solution, that would be something that's that's possible. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a massively high likelihood, to be honest.
0: Okay, cool. Um, we will start to wrap up this thing then. Uh, let's have a quick look at the table. Uh, because Watford are looking all right now in third, but unfortunately for them, there's two teams above them that are well ahead. Uh, Watford on forty three points as things stand. Sheffield United fifty four, Burnley fifty nine. It's going to be awfully difficult to catch those guys, but look, it's it's possible. It certainly is possible. Uh, and given that Watford. If we just took Sheffield United in isolation here because they're the easiest to catch. Uh Watford have to play Sheffield United. Sheffield United have to play Burnley. If 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 those two games went our way, then it's less points to make up. But it's still, it's still a few. It's it's gonna be a a challenge. But when Billich was questioned recently uh on whether he is uh giving up hope of the automatic places, he said he's absolutely not. Um, and he was a bit disappointed, I think, with with Ben Manger's comments uh, recently in a in a German uh, was it a newspaper or a journal or, or or maybe a maybe it was a radio show. But um, Ben Manger said that he thought the automatic places were gone, but Village um, is certainly firmly saying that 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 it's available to to be taken still.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit odd. I thought that whole thing was a bit odd, but. Clearly, it's pretty far out of reach. It's possible, of course, but you know, it's it's a tough ask, and I don't think there's too much wrong with saying what what Ben said or what Billet said. To be honest with you,
0: Tom, is it too far out of reach, or or you know, is it is it possible?
1: Uh, it's possible. I think realistically, you're all, you're asking for a team that hasn't lost many all season to lose at least four games, aren't you? And Watford to. Um, I guess, be net positive against that. So that's quite a big ask, given the form they've been in. But everybody has to have a blip in the Championship. It's how the Championship works. So you never know. But I'll put it this way. I've got no expectation of us going up automatically. It is
2: incredible we're somehow third, but yeah.
0: It is, it is. Well, if they're going to do it, they're going to have to overcome Rotherham. A Rotherham side who have just put four past Blackburn Rovers who themselves um, you know, have been in reasonable uh shape this whole season, uh, although having a bit of a blip currently, as you say, Tom, they all go through them. Uh does that make it a harder challenge?
2: Yeah, I mean it's not a great time to play them, put it that way. So it it's not it's not gonna be easy. I think it's a situation which is uh it's something that requires the the same level of application and dedication to the to the training sessions and the preparation beforehand to to come away from this one with three points. I wouldn't underestimate Rodham. They they're a difficult team to play with to play against when they're on their game. And it's, it's it's not it's not ideal to come into that that one off the back of a good performance against Blackburn. So uh we need to kind of carry on with the same the same level of uh positivity we have from this game. And I'm hoping the way it ended, the way the, the game went for us, we can approach it in a good way and and, and still have a positive result. But I'm I'm not I'm not kind of looking forward to it in a sense either.
0: Tom, what do you reckon, Rotherham?
2: Tough one.
1: They're going to be bouncing off the back of that, aren't they? Um, I don't think they're a great team by any stretch of the imagination. That was their first win since the eighth of November. But oh, we've just, we've just. It's almost more about us. If we play to the maximum of our ability, maximum level of our ability, we'll win. If we throw out any kind of weaknesses and anything that's like the um, you know, the Millwall performance or the Swansea performance or the Millwall away performance or anything like that, you know, then we'll potentially get slapped. And um, then all the kind of positivity and all the optimism that's come off of the uh, the win at the weekend is is lost very quickly. You know, it's, it's easier to lose momentum than it is to build it. So that's got to be the, the focus of their uh, kind of uh, efforts this week, I think, is is making sure that they maintain that positivity and momentum.
2: Do you expect any changes, Jordan? Um, I guess so much, but it depends on the availability. And I, I think it'd be interesting to see what we do in the forward area. Uh, if if Davis isn't back still, if it's between uh, Bio and, and Toby, then maybe we'll have a bit of a selection dilemma on our hands, and we might see a, a start for the seventeen-year-old. But I don't think there'll be too many changes unless we have that availability. Although one one that I might be kind of curious about would be the uh, the right back position if we see Ferreira start. Uh, that, that could be one in terms of the wingers or the forwards just based on our midfield options and, and so on it's it's still a good chance we start with that three at the back but it's a tough one to call because of how we ended that game maybe we want to be a little bit more positive from the start and and we start in the kind of 4 3 one it's tough to say I'm unsure at the moment I think once we get that kind of Thursday interview where we discuss the, uh, the possibility of returning players then we might be able to give more of an accurate uh, guess I would say.
0: Kamara is available for this one. Does he come in or does Morris keep his place?
2: Good question. I think I think Bilic keeps Morris, but we'll see. I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm probably 60-40 on that one right now. Tom, what changes mm. do you make?
1: Oh, I think Kamara comes in. I think Ferreira comes in. I think Mateus Martins comes in as well. Um, to be honest with you. yeah, yeah And I'd like hard. to see him go back to 4-3-3 from the start. Home game. I'm sure Rotherham will You know, offer more than Blackpool did in terms of attacking intent. Um, You know, it's something we haven't touched on. Why he felt the need to set up with a back five against a team that was ended up being so limited. Obviously, it's easy to be wise after the event, but um, yeah, I think I think I would go four three three for that one. Do Martins, Bayo and um, Saar through the middle. Chowdry Kalu Kalu Chowdry Kone and um, that's. Gaspar, thank you, in midfield. And then yeah, Sierra
2: Alta, Cathcart, Kamara, and Ferreira at the back. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that for personal preference for sure.
0: Four for three for you as well, Jordan.
2: Yeah, I think just get get the good players in the pitch, basically. Get get <laughs> Martins in there, get Ferreira in there in positions they can, you know, contribute and attack in areas, make sure Kono's playing. Make sure Sars playing, and then uh, yeah, make up the rest. We have to see what we can do. I think we have to be positive, and I think we kind of need to. In the ideal world, we kick on from a good result and and move forward with that. It just it's it's very hard. The previous lineups have been so varied and so strange, not due to necessarily just Richard's decisions. Obviously, there's elements of that, but also just because of availability. It's been hard to predict, but it looks like we're starting to get some more players available, and, and you know potentially starting to get to position where we can start to predict these lineups rather than just finding out on the day the the random assortment and trying to guess the formation like everyone was to <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah, exactly
0: nice good stuff all right then we'll um, wrap it up there thanks very much for joining me again guys uh, I hope you enjoyed that game I certainly did and I'm hoping that Rotherham produces something equally as as uh, as jubilant as as that goal that we saw from Toby against Blackpool. that was that was lovely a joy to behold um Right. If you want to catch up with uh, with us, uh, send us a message. Uh, you can do so at Watford Pod. Um, we'll be tweeting regularly. Tom usually takes over those duties because he's just so good at it. Um, and then we'll also uh, be uh, talking about the Rotherham game, uh, hopefully next weekend. So hope we have that out for early uh, next week. So looking forward to doing that one. If you want to give us a review, go to the Watford Buzz Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts at the right at the bottom. You can give us a rating out five. Um, give us a little note there as well. That really helps with the analytics for people to find us so that more Watford fans can uh, can join in and, and listen to the content you're listening to. Uh, and by the way, if you have a Watford sporting friend and they're not listening to the, the Watford Buzz, tell them to listen. And, 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 we, and uh, more people can find. Uh, the hilarious uh, jokes from Tom and the great insight from Jordan. That that's a big, big
2: <laughs>
1: overselling quote <laughs> of us.
0: Right, good stuff. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, I'll see you in the next one. Uh, and that's bye from me. Cheers, bye. folks.